this is Abigail. And this is Dan. Together we pastor Hope Culture Church in Elgin, Illinois. Thanks for tuning in to this week's podcast. We hope it encourages you and inspires you. Here's today's message. I'm excited. It is in between series. We just wrapped up Psalm 23, which really encouraged me, and I've been walking with that and thinking about that daily. We're excited in a couple weeks. We're kicking off a new series on the book of Mark, starting in June, going through that slowly throughout the summer. I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. But we have a couple weeks here right in the middle that are outside of any series, and today is Pentecost Sunday. Pentecost Sunday is a holiday in the church calendar that where we remember uh, what God did on Pentecost Sunday, 50 days after Passover, after Jesus' death and resurrection that happened on that weekend. And it's something that a lot of us have different thoughts about, depending on our background, depending on our church upbringing, or maybe we're brand new to church and we're like, Pentecost, that's a weird word. I have no idea what it means. I kind of want to just step back a little bit and give a little bit of context of where that came from. So Pentecost isn't something that started when the Holy Spirit filled the upper room in Acts chapter 2. That's often what we talk about, but it started long before that. It was often called the Feast of Tabernacles, or they were celebrating the harvest. There's a handful of festivals that the Jewish people, God's chosen people, would celebrate throughout the year to remember what God had done. One of them being Passover, when they were rescued out of Egypt and they would remember God's uh, grace in not having them lose their firstborn sons like the Egyptians did. They would have these things to mark remembrance. And this one, Pentecost, was to celebrate the harvest and what happened. And so they would sacrifice and bring a couple loaves of bread, but it also marked when the Ten Commandments came. That kind of was added on. It was a time where they would remember that Moses went up Mount Sinai and God met with him there and there was thunder and fire and loud noises similar to Acts chapter 2 Pentecost and God gave them the Ten Commandments. So it's this festival that had been celebrated for a long, long time. It was also a pilgrimage one, meaning if a Jew had left Jerusalem, they would come back and be in the area. So it makes a little sense when we dive into Acts chapter 2 why there are so many people around and present and ready to celebrate. Because Pentecost is literally a word that means 50. It means 50. You can see penta in the beginning, you know that means five. It's a word that means 50, and it's 50 days after Passover. So his disciples were gathered together celebrating Pentecost when the Holy Spirit shows up. And today we're going to talk a little bit about the Holy Spirit. We're going to talk about what it means to have him as an active part of our life. But really, my heart is that we understand that we can't do this without him. That without the help of the Holy Spirit, we're just practicing religion. We're just trying to do better on our own. We're trying to live up to the model that Jesus set. Jesus understood that in that He told his disciples in John 14, 15, and 16, he's like, I am sending someone to you. The comforter, the helper, the advocate, depending on your translation, that word is parakletos, and that means somebody who will help you, assist you, be behind you. He's saying, I'm sending the Holy Spirit to come and help you. And this is after three years of the disciples training and living and studying under Jesus. He sent them out on assignments, do this, practice this. They'd come back and report back to him. They'd celebrate their victories. He would coach them along the way. But he's saying, I'm getting ready to leave. My time is coming, but I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm going to send somebody to help you. 
In Acts chapter 1, verse 4, it says this, On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. And this is after his death and resurrection. He's back with them, getting ready to leave again. And he says, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for my gift my Father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And the reality is, is Jesus has given them an assignment, right? We've talked about this before, the Great Commission. It's, it's what all of us are called to do. Go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them all that I've commanded you. Jesus has given the disciples this assignment, but he's saying, I'm about to leave, but don't do that yet. Wait. Wait in Jerusalem for the promised Holy Spirit. You can't do this just on principles. You can't do this just on what I taught you. You need help. You need a helper. You need a comforter. You need the counselor to guide you in this. Because the reality is, we know what Jesus taught. He taught love your enemies. How many of you have tried to love your enemy in your own strength? That is difficult. I need help. He says, pray for those who persecute you. Love your neighbor as yourself. Lay down your life. Give generously, sacrificially, serve. Outdo one another in showing honor. All of these things that we're called to do as New Testament believers are outside of our ability to do on our own. We might be able to fake it a little bit, but to do it with a genuine heart and with the help of the Holy Spirit is the only way we can do that. We can't do it on our own. We don't need principles. We need power to live the life that God's calling us to. In John 14, when Jesus is telling him who's coming, he says, if you keep my commands, if you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. Jesus has taught them and trained them, and now he's saying, I am sending someone to help you. The Father creates. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. We know that the Holy Spirit was there hovering over. We know that it was all three of them there. But the Father did that creation. Jesus redeems. He came and died for our sins and rose again on the third day. But the Spirit empowers us to live the life that God is calling us to live. Throughout Paul's teaching in the New Testament when he's instructing churches, he's constantly praying for them to, to have the Holy Spirit showing up in their life, evidenced by love, good deeds, kindness. I think sometimes we relegate what we think of the Holy Spirit to just specific things. Only the weird stuff. That's when we think of the Holy Spirit. He's, he's the weird one, right? No, he's the one who's helping us do all of the stuff. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. There's so much that the Holy Spirit produces in our life, more than just miraculous power. It's both and. And so I want to take a little bit and do a little bit more of a teaching today than preaching. I want to break down a few things. I want to look at what the Holy Spirit was doing in Jesus' life, and then we'll go from there. So Jesus was born of the Spirit. He was born of the Spirit. Luke chapter 1, we know that Mary was a virgin, and the Holy Spirit came upon her. She, gave, she became pregnant and gave birth to Jesus. And I think sometimes we forget that if we want God to move in our life, if we want the supernatural to happen in our life, it needs to come from a place outside of us, something that we can't do on our own. This, we do the natural, God does the supernatural. He picks up where we left off. Jesus was baptized in the Spirit. He's baptized in water. He went to John, received John's baptism. John's like, no, I'm not supposed to baptize you. I'm not fit to do that. I can't even take your sandals off. Jesus says, no, this is to fulfill all righteousness, and he baptizes him. 
Do you guys remember what happens when Jesus gets baptized? A dove comes down, right? The Holy Spirit comes down and lands on Jesus. It's in that moment when Jesus has the Holy Spirit in the form of a dove land on him that the, the clouds open and he receives the affirmation of the Father. This is my Son in whom I'm well pleased. There's something, there's a connection between the Holy Spirit inside of us and the affirmation of the Father. There's something that goes together with our identity and having a life filled with the Spirit. You may be struggling with identity. Turn to God. Receive His Holy Spirit. You will receive adoption and love and grace and mercy. You'll receive identity and purpose. In Luke 4, verse 1, it says, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, because He just got baptized, the Holy Spirit just came down. This is right after His baptism left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. So I said, born of the Spirit, baptized in the Spirit, led by the Spirit. Jesus was led by the Spirit, and it says he was full of the Spirit. You will always be led by what you are full of. You will be led by what you are full of. How many of you have done something that you regretted when you were super angry? You don't even have to raise your hand. It's true of most of us in the room. When you were full of anger, the anger leads you. When you're full of grief, sometimes that leads you. Sorrow, pain, suffering, what you are full of often will lead you. It doesn't mean we don't have emotions anymore. It just means we must be more full of the Spirit than we're full of anything else. It has to be the main thing. The next thing is that Jesus was anointed by the Spirit. A few verses later in Luke 4, it says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because He has anointed me. To proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom to the prisoners, recover sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free. In this list that he's quoting from Isaiah, Jesus is saying, this is being fulfilled right now in your presence. And he, he ties so many things together. That when we are anointed by the Holy Spirit, it leads to compassion, it leads to justice, it leads to freedom, it leads to miracles, it leads to transformation. It's more than just for us. The anointing is for other people. And there's a difference between gifting and anointing. I experience this on Sundays sometimes. I can get up here and work my gift of teaching, my gift of preaching that has been given by God, and maybe something will happen. But when God is clearly moving, I could preach the worst message ever, and things will happen. This has happened. I've gotten off stage before and felt like, man, that was probably the worst one in the last six months. And that's the one where somebody was like, comes up in tears afterwards, that's so ministered to me, that encouraged me, or somebody gave their life to Christ, or they, this is my favorite part, is when somebody comes up and says, I was hearing this, like, as you were speaking, and it's not even something I said. I didn't even talk about that. But God was moving in that moment. I would rather be anointed than gifted. I will use my gift, that's me working, but when the anointing's working, that's when God's moving. Ideally, both are happening at the same time. It's a game changer. And Jesus said, I'm anointed to set the captives free, to loose the chains of injustice. Peter was anointed. It says this in Acts 10.44, while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. That's what I pray every week, that as I speak, God would do something bigger than me that he would do something so much bigger than me, that he would move in your hearts and minds. Paul was not that gifted as a speaker. Peter was a gifted speaker. Paul, not so much. 
I've shared this before. Paul was speaking. Somebody fell asleep, fell out the window, right? Died. Not probably very gifted at speaking if he was that boring. But then he goes outside, prays for them, and they're healed, and a bunch of people give their life to Christ, right? So there's something that is separate from gifting of when the Holy Spirit is moving in our life. And I feel like that's what we need. We need that help that goes further than what we can offer, further than even our God-given gifts. It's like when Jesus comes to the disciples after he's been raised from the dead and they're out there fishing because they just went back to what they knew to do before and they're not catching anything. What does he tell them to do? Throw it on the other side. They catch more fish than they can even haul in. It is something about when God speaks, when he moves, when he gives you a directive and you follow it, that's so much greater than what you could accomplish on your own. We need that. We need the anointing of God in our life. Because what if we had that mentality where, where the Holy Spirit spoke to us and said, try this. Where we had enough of a relationship with him where we could hear his still small voice when he says, try this. Jesus said that I'm the good shepherd, my sheep hear my voice. We just went through Psalm 23 talking about him as our shepherd. We should recognize the voice of the Holy Spirit in our life. So that when he says, try this, when it comes to our parenting, we can make a small adjustment that has a big impact. When he says, try this in our relationship with a coworker, it's a small adjustment and it makes a big impact. That in all the areas of our life, we can hear that still small voice saying, try this. And it's not because of just the changes we're making, it's the obedience to his leading that invites him to move on our behalf. And then Jesus is resurrected by the Spirit. Do you guys know that? It's not just on his own. He's resurrected by the Holy Spirit. Romans 8.11 says, And the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you. And this is a little weird because it's the Trinity, right? It's the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. They're one, but they're three separate in persons. But the Holy Spirit, who raised Christ from the dead, now lives with us in our mortal bodies. How much more do we need the Spirit if this is the look, if this is what it looks like in Jesus' life, that he's born, led, baptized, anointed, resurrected by the Spirit. If Jesus' ministry takes place in those last three years, right after the Holy Spirit comes upon him, how much more, if we're going to do the ministry God has called us to do in our family, in our workplace, in our sphere, if we're going to do what he's asked us to do, how much more do we need the Holy Spirit in our life? Jesus understood that. And that's why he told them, do not leave Jerusalem yet. I've given you an assignment, but it's not your time yet. There was just a little gap in there. It, wasn't, it was a few days. But sometimes that gap's longer. Like in the Old Testament, David is anointed king. And anointing with oil often represents the Holy Spirit. And he's marked and set aside as king. There's a 20-year gap before he steps into the assignment. And sometimes we want to rush what God is doing in our life. We don't take time to be developed. We're just like, we're ready for it right now. But we need to wait for his timing and his empowerment to do it. Wait in Jerusalem. In John 14, there's a whole bunch of things that Jesus is pointing out that the Holy Spirit does. He's going to comfort you. He actually calls him the comforter. One of our prayers can be, 
God, comfort me. Holy Spirit, comfort me. He says that the Holy Spirit will reveal truth. In, in chapter 15, it says, When the Counselor comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. The Holy Spirit reveals truth to us. He uses us. He convicts us. In John 16, he says, when he comes, he will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment, and he will guide us. He will guide us into all truth, it says in verse 13. The Holy Spirit leads, guides, convicts, comforts. And Jesus is saying, you need that. If you're going to live the life that God's calling you to, if you're going to be a disciple of Jesus, you need the Holy Spirit in your life. And you have the Holy Spirit. As soon as you give your life to Christ, as soon as you say, I admit that I've sinned and I've fallen short of your standard, I believe Jesus died and rose again from the grave, and I'm choosing to follow after you, the Holy Spirit comes and indwells you. In John 20, 21, Jesus talks about this to his disciples. He blows on them. He says, peace be with you. As the Father sent me, I'm sending you. And with that, he breathed on them. Receive the Holy Spirit. This is interesting to me because this is before Pentecost. And so Jesus is saying, you guys have trusted in me. You've seen me. You've been following me. I'm sending you out. And he breathes on them. Receive the Holy Spirit. But then later, in Acts chapter 1, he says, wait until you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That there's a, there's a separation there between when Jesus blew on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit, and when he told them to wait a few days later. And there's something about the indwelling of the Holy Spirit that's different than the filling of the Holy Spirit. Because Paul understands this. He says, you're baptized, one spirit, one body, you get the Holy Spirit as soon as you start following Jesus. But he also tells us in Ephesians 5 to be filled with the Spirit. He wouldn't command us to do something that has already happened. If it was just a one-time thing. But he says, be filled. And it's in the present active. Be being filled constantly. He actually says, don't be drunk with wine, which leads to debauchery, but be filled with the Holy Spirit which is such an interesting compare and contrast. It's Paul pointing out the fact that there are some similarities between drunkenness and being filled with the Spirit. When you're drunk, you lose inhibition. You don't care what other people think. You're more bold. You do that. We even call it being under the influence. When we are filled with the Spirit, we should lose some inhibitions. The disciples would pray together and the Holy Spirit would come in and said they would leave with boldness. That there's something that's outside of us. I need that. It's easy for me to not want to be bold sometimes. And so I pray, Holy Spirit, come. I need your boldness. I need to not care so much about what people think. I need to be under your influence. I need to be controlled and possessed by you. We're called to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to be under his influence. It changes everything. It changes everything. It changes it from just principle to being able to walk in power. So when you're like, I know I need to love this person, and you have to fight for it, to being like, I don't know how I'm loving this person right now. And I'm not saying there's never those moments 
There's never those times where it's just we do it because it's the right thing. We absolutely do that. If you love me, you obey my commands. It's in the same chapter, John 14. It's out of love that we respond to the teaching and leading of Jesus. But there's something special that happens when our hearts are actually transformed, when we're filled with the Spirit, because the fruit of the Spirit is love. It is joy. It's peace. It's patience. It's not the fruit of me. That is not naturally what I produce. I actually naturally produce pretty much everything opposite of that. If I'm left to my own, all I have to do if I want to drift is nothing. Just stop spending time with Jesus, stop going to church, stop spending time in community and fellowship, and I will drift. It's the easiest thing. But if I want to stay anchored, I need to be in the Word. I need to be in community. I need those things that hold me. Those are the things that fill me with the Spirit. If I'm called to be filled with the Spirit, I need to spend time with Him. I need Him to have more of me. Because we sometimes think of the Holy Spirit just as like a power. He's like our power source. And it's true. He is our power source. You will receive power, the Acts says. But he's not just a power source. He's a person. And so it's in relationship that we're filled with the Holy Spirit. It's in the context of knowing him. I have three things that I wrote down if we want to live a life filled with the Holy Spirit. We need to grow in understanding. You won't be close to who you don't know. You won't be close to who you don't know. The more I know Abigail, the closer I am to her. When we first met, we didn't know each other very well. We weren't very, we weren't in relationship. We weren't anything. We were just friends we had met. And sometimes that's how we treat the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's not moving in my life. Do you know him? Have you studied him? Have you gotten to know what the scripture teaches about who he is? There's an old Marx Brothers movie. Um, do you guys remember the Marx Brothers? Maybe the older generation in the room? Nice. There's this one where, uh, I think it's Groucho. He like gets off the bus and he's introducing somebody to someone. And he goes, this is my best friend. And then he goes, what's your name again? And it's like, that's how we are with the Holy Spirit sometimes. We want him moving in our life. We just don't know him very well. We don't know who he is or what he's supposed to do. So then we start seeing what he's maybe doing in other people's life and we copy that and all of a sudden we have theologies based on experience instead of based on scripture. We don't actually know who he is personally. We don't know what the revealed word is about him. We just know what other people have said and some of that stuff is, yeah, and, and we're just like, maybe it's just easier not to know him. No, it's essential that we know him. The Holy Spirit's not extra. He's essential. So much so that Jesus said, don't go fulfill the Great Commission until you receive the Holy Spirit. We need him. I can't live a life of holiness without him. I can't do what God's asking me to do without him. I can try for a little while. I can do it in my own strength, but it's not going to be, it's not going to have the same impact. I am desperately in need of God moving in me and through me. In Acts chapter 19, it says, While Apollos was in Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples and asked them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered, No, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. They didn't even know that that was a thing. So Paul asked them, Then what baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they replied, which is water. Paul said John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. 
He told the people to believe in the one coming after him. That is Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. When Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. There is something about understanding that creates room for him to move in your life. We need to grow in our understanding. You can't be close to who you don't know. The second thing is we need to invite you can't be close to who you don't want to be close to. You might know about them, but if you don't actually invite them into proximity in your life, you won't be close to them. And this is where it becomes, we need to love our Bible more than our tradition. One thing I love about our church is that we come from a variety of backgrounds. We come from different denominations. Some of us are brand new to faith. All of these different things. And all of us have to just agree, it's all about Jesus And let's just see what does the Bible say. And let's talk about where we maybe see the smaller things differently. But I think that we need to continually invite the Holy Spirit into our life. That be being filled. That we need more of him. That we can't do it on our own. That we naturally leak. Like I said, all we have to do to drift is nothing. I'm sure you've experienced that in your own life. When are you closest to Jesus? When you're anchored when you're doing the things that we know we should do of spending time in the Word and in community and in prayer and being filled with the Spirit. The natural things that we're called to do is what the Holy Spirit wants to show up to. We sing songs like, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here, and we've talked about this before, that the wording of that can be a little confusing because it's like God's everywhere and He can do whatever He wants. But it's a posture of saying you're welcome and wanted here. You are invited here. It's a difference. We need to understand him and we need to invite him. You're welcome to do whatever you want in my life, God. I'm not going to put limits on it. I'm not going to say I want you to change this area. This area is off limits. You're invited to have free reign. D.L. Moody said, God sends no one away empty except those who are full of themselves. God sends no one away empty except those who are full of themselves. D.L. Moody had an amazing experience with the Holy Spirit where he's, he's in, filled with the Holy Spirit. He has the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. He's living a life of ministry, preaching the gospel, teaching Sunday school. He started a Bible college. But what's really cool about his biography is that he is regularly preaching and a couple people are giving their life to Christ. One, two, three sometimes a little bit more. And he has these women who are consistently sitting in the front row who would pray for him and pray that he would experience the power of the Holy Spirit. And he was like, I want that. And then one night, he said everything changed. He didn't have words to describe it. He talked about this experience he had with the Holy Spirit alone at home in his room when he was just reading the Word and praying. He said, I didn't change anything, but everything in the ministry changed. He said, I would preach the same exact sermons I had been preaching and hundreds of people would give their life to Christ. He goes, the fact that it happened later in my ministry gave him so much confidence that it wasn't him. It was only by the Holy Spirit. That's what we need in our life. For our areas of ministry, in your family, in your workplace, in your sphere of influence, we need the Holy Spirit. The greatest miracle he does 
is transforming people's hearts. When they come to Christ, that's my number one favorite miracle because it's the number one thing that God's concerned about is restoring people to himself. Luke 11 talks about asking. You know, I said we need to understand and we need to invite. Luke 11, 11 says, Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? My question for you is, have you asked? Have you asked for the Holy Spirit to show up in a greater way in your life? To fill you in a new and fresh way? To give you power to see things change? That's the third one, is we need to walk in power. We need to understand, we need to invite, and we need to walk in power. 1 Thessalonians 5 talks about not quenching the Spirit. And a lot of times we want to apply that to a worship service, but if you look at 1 Thessalonians 5, he's giving a lot of wrapping up personal instructions. Do this, don't do this, this. Don't quench the Spirit. Whatever that little prompting is, follow it. A lot of times people will come and be like, I, I felt like for a, a season of my life I was hearing from God. I was getting direction and things like that. And I was like, I, I just don't hear anything anymore. I'm not sensing anything. And I talk through some of that and pray with them and process with them. But one thing I always like to ask is, what is the last thing you did here? Did you do that? Were you obedient with that? And so often, it's just, no, I kind of forgot about that. The Holy Spirit, His whole job is to empower us to obedience and to glorify Christ. Over and over and over, it talks about the Holy Spirit is pointing to Jesus. He doesn't want the glory for himself. He is always pointing to Jesus in our lives and in other people's lives. So in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, when it says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. As I was reflecting on that, I was just thinking about the Holy Spirit is always a blessing to us, but for other people. That we receive power so that we can be witnesses. That we need to live holy lives so that other people see our good works and what? Know that our Father in heaven is good and real. The reason he's helping us to live a holy life is because Jesus calls us to it, but also because people are watching. The reason that he's giving us boldness is so that more people will know about who he is. God doesn't lose sight of the mission ever. The whole reason the Holy Spirit comes is to draw more people to Christ. Our world isn't as it should be. Things are not the way they're meant to be. And thankfully, we have a good shepherd who walks with us, but it doesn't stop there. We have a Holy Spirit living inside of us, empowering us to actually see change. To actually see people give their life to Christ. To follow after him. 
There's nothing cooler than sitting with somebody and hearing how their story changed in a moment. They don't love something they used to love. It just was gone. The desire for that left. The Holy Spirit did something in their life. They gave their life to Jesus. All of these two cool stories do not happen unless we are walking with the Holy Spirit. So, circling all the way back to the beginning, today's Pentecost Sunday. They had been celebrating Pentecost for years, and they're celebrating Pentecost once again, 50 days after Passover, so you know, about seven weeks after Jesus' death and resurrection. And they're gathered together in the upper room. In that moment, there's a rushing wind and tongues like fire or flames appear above their heads. They go outside and similar to what Paul talks about in Ephesians, people think they're drunk. They're like, we don't really have an answer. They seem intoxicated. And Peter's like, we are not drunk. It's too early in the morning for that. I think that's a really funny detail that's in the book of Acts. He's just like, it's too early in the morning for that. And Peter goes on to preach this message. 3,000 people give their life to Christ and are baptized in that moment. They're speaking in different languages and people are hearing them in their own native language and all of these miraculous things are happening. And then the end of chapter 2, we see this picture of the early church where they have all things in common. They're selling their possessions. They're sharing with each other. They're breaking bread, having communion, fellowship, following the, the disciples' teaching and leading. And it's just this beautiful picture. And I think too often we draw a line in the middle of the chapter where we say Pentecost Sunday, the Holy Spirit came, miraculous things happened, and 3,000 people got saved. The rest of the chapter in the, in the verses that are in the 40s, that's still a result of the Holy Spirit coming. The having all things in common, the fellowship, the teaching, the prayer. That if we're going to be a, a church that believes in the power of the Holy Spirit and is moving today, it means that we have preaching and conviction and repentance and salvation and baptism, fellowship, signs and wonders, community, giving, gathering, praise, and growth. It's not just one thing. It's the whole thing. For the church to be what God wants it to be, we need His Spirit. We need Him with us. I want to see things change. I don't really want to just meet week in and week out and midweek gatherings. I'm super excited about fellowship and getting to know people better and having table groups. And I love those things, but I don't want to just do them just to do them. That's why the mission of our church is something that we say week after week after week is we don't want to lose sight of that. That we want to help people take their next step in following Jesus. We want people who don't know him to know him. We want people who do know him to know him better, to become more like him. We're trying to see the Great Commission happen, where people come to him and are transformed by him. We definitely don't think we can do it alone. If Jesus had the Holy Spirit working in his life, speaking to him. He said, I did nothing apart from what the Father was speaking to me, and that's through the power of the Holy Spirit. If he was baptized, led, anointed, if 
He says and spends, you know, in and out of three chapters of John talking about the Holy Spirit is coming. If Paul is going to repeat it over and over in the New Testament, we're not going to ignore the fact that we need help. I'm actually really encouraged by that, to be able to say, I have help. That Jesus said, I am sending a helper. Because I, I don't know about you, but there's times where I just feel like I need some help. I could use leading, guiding, comforting. Those things are found in the Holy Spirit. So let's understand him more. Let's invite him in and let's walk empowered. God, thank you for today. Thank you for what you're doing. God, more than a message, we just want you to have your way. We know that you are moving because we know that your word is living and active. And when we teach your word faithfully, we know it won't return void. And God, we ask that more than anything that was said, that your spirit was speaking to us this morning. That you'd have something different depending on each different individual. If we need encouragement, would we be encouraged? If we need conviction, would we be convicted? If whatever we need, God, but we are hungry and thirsty for you. We want to see real change in our family, real change in our state, in our nation. God, we want to see change in our workplace, and we're not going to see it to the extent we want outside of you. We want to see people discipled, baptized, giving their life to you. So we ask you, Holy Spirit, come. Fill us to overflowing. Would you speak to people in this moment? Would you fill them in a way that they've never been filled before that? That's something that they loved is no longer a love anymore because that's not something that you love. That something you're calling them to do, they're now empowered to do and they don't have to do in their own strength. God, you... You said that Jesus was anointed to set the captive free. God, we pray for strongholds to be broken in this moment, addictions to be gone, things that people have been working through. God, that it would be gone in an instant. God, for those who need comfort, would you comfort them? Would you encourage them? Holy Spirit, we need you. Would you help us to live lives that honor you and glorify you? Lives that point other people to you. Lives that glorify Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. We would love to hear about what God is doing in your life. To share your story or a prayer request, simply hit contact on our website. You can also support the ministry of Hope Culture Church by visiting hopeculturechurch.com give. We hope you have a great week.